All right, well, we are going to talk this morning about probably the most commonly used Jehovah name among Christians, the compound name of Jehovah Jireh. Give me a woot-woot if you've heard of Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, right? Uh, most of us in the room have probably heard Jehovah Jireh. We, uh, we, our main scripture for this series is Philippians chapter 2.9. says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So remember we talked about Jehovah. And Jehovah in your English Bibles in, in Exodus is translated, I am who I am. But that probably isn't necessarily the greatest translation of that in English, but uh, maybe a more accurate one is he will be. Either one is pretty good, but I am who I am, meaning he is the eternal God. He is who he is. He's just always been. He will always be, or he will be. He is just the one, right? And so Jaira means provider or to provide. Together, he is our provider, right? He will be our provider. I am your provider, that's the, the phrase Jehovah Jireh and what that means. And we find this in Genesis chapter 22, which is one of the single most important events in human history. Genesis chapter 22, if you want to begin to turn to your Bibles there. I read a, uh, a book this winter about biblical archaeology. And I just found some things that are interesting because some of these things don't ever make mainstream news uh, articles, right? But here's some, here's some thoughts. And archaeologists found in Israel, in the time frame of Genesis 22, they have found tablets and figurines that have the name Abraham on them. Isn't that interesting? It's an interesting thing, right? Not only that, there's, there's a thing called a scarab that was, that was very popular in ancient Egypt. It's pretty popular now because of sci-fi shows, but it's a real thing. Ancient Egyptians used to have them and, and whatnot. And, a, and you know, in Egypt, they found multiple scarabs with the names Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph written on them. Isn't that interesting that they would find those in Egypt? Like, guys, we're talking about real people, real events, and a very, very real God. Archaeology, archaeology doesn't disprove the Bible. It always backs it up. Every time that we start digging into history, and sometimes they hide some of these things. It's hard to find. But thank, thank, thank God for Christian archaeologists. Amen? So Genesis chapter 22, Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Let's read starting in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I don't know if, if anybody else in the room was like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Anybody else? I remember being 15 years old and reading that going, whoa, wait, hold on. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So Abraham's being tested for, by God, right? Now, if you don't know who Abraham is and how, why, this is, why this is kind of a, a crazy story, let, let, me make sen let me make sense out of it. Okay, Abraham was promised certain things from God. All of those promises had to do with his 
children, his inheritance. The problem was he didn't have any kids until Isaac was born, right? And so through many, many trials, many moments of faith, God finally gives Isaac to Abraham as a son. And now he's being asked to be sacrificed. Now, the, Abraham leaves everything that he knows. His hometown, which archaeology has proven was destroyed right after, right after uh, Abraham left. Not a coincidence. His hometown, he leaves his family, he, knows, he leaves everything that he knows. And he goes to a land that God eventually shows him. A land that is still modern-day Israel. His descendants are literally still there. God is faithful. Amen? Promises are real. And now we're at a point that Abraham, God says, Abraham, I want you to take that son that, I, that all of his promises are in, all of everything that he's dreamt for. The, the, he's been following God for this long, and God says, I'm going to be doing these things for you, and I want you to take your son to an altar, and I want you to offer him. That's crazy, right? That's impactful. See, this is what I believe the test that Abraham is, is facing. Like if I could sum it up in a nutshell. It's when you are faced with a choice over the blessing or the one who blesses, which one will you choose? When you are faced with the choice of the blessing or the one who blesses, which one will you choose? And I believe that if you have walked with God long enough, you have probably faced something like this. It was not the same way that Abraham faced it. And it probably was different for every single one of you in this room. But at some point in time, God's going to say, what is more important to you, the blessing or me? What, 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 which is more important to you? Because see, God wants your heart. That's what's important to him. He can bless you. It wouldn't even be nothing but a thing for him. But he wants your heart. That's what he's really after. And so he puts Abraham to a test. I think the last time that I, I faced a, a test like this was probably back in January. It was the time frame that I was interviewing for the job of the, uh, as pastor of the River Church, and, and we were getting close, and there was like some like good indication I was probably going to get it right. And so I was in a time of prayer, and I was asking God, what do you want me to do? And then a very close friend of mine who now has the nickname of the devil because of this story, just so you guys know, comes to me and he says, hey, I want to make you an offer before you take any job. I want you to come and we're going to be 50-50 partners in my company. 50-50. To an already successful company that is doing very, very well. Not only that, you don't have to bring any finances. You don't have to bring any, any, any kind of equity into it. All you have to do is you got to come work it. And we're going to go 50-50. And so I started praying. God, what do you want me to do? Even though I already knew, I already knew. I had already been in a good indication of what I was, God, what do you want me to do? And in the midst of praying, God spoke to me this verse, Psalm 72, verse 8. He said, flip, flip to Psalm 72, eight, verse 8. And so I open up my Bible app, I start getting there, and this is what it says. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And at that moment, I automatically knew, Right? Done deal. I know exactly what God wanted for me. That company is very, very successful today. They are doing very, very, very well. But I, at the end of the day, I want the one who blesses over the blessing, right? Knowing that he can bless me and it's not even a thing for him, right? 
That's what Abraham is facing in this moment. How important am I to you, Abraham? Do you want what I can give you, or do you really want me? Because God wants your heart. Wants your heart. Let's keep reading verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took his hand the, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they both went, they, they went both of them together. I always thought this was kind of like a funny part in the story, like, son, you're going to carry all the heavy stuff, right? Like, come on, that's a total dad move. That's a total dad move. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told, told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket of thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the, the name of that place, catch it, the Lord will provide. That's the phrase, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That becomes very, very important. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I lost my place. And the angel of the Lord called, called to the and the angel of the Lord called, called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's you and I. That's the promise that Abraham got because he was willing to do this. We were able to come be a part of this. Because you have obeyed my voice. You know, I think oftentimes we fall into the trap that we think God is just a vending machine, don't we? I mean, we push a button and we can just get what we want, right? Or maybe like he's Amazon Prime. A couple clicks. We can have anything shipped to our house. Sometimes, sometimes we fall into that trap, don't we? You know, my, my kids uh, uh, a couple months ago went to PK camp. They call it PK camp with the Assembly of God. It's pastor kids camp. Everybody understands being a pastor kid can be difficult, right? So the Assembly of God puts on a, a camp just for pastor kids, totally free, so that they feel loved and they feel encouraged and they, they can encounter Jesus. And my kids truly did. It was an incredible thing. It was awesome. But when I went to go pick him up, the Northwest youth pastor pulled me aside and said, hey, I want to tell you a story about Israel. Oh, no. That was that moment, right? Oh, no. <laughs> what did he do? 
He said, hey, throughout the entire camp, he's like, I just got to tell you this story. That the entire camp, Israel would walk over to the soda pop vending machine and he would just push a random button, see if a soda would come out. And so one, at one point in time, I'm teaching the kids that God will provide. And I'm telling them this. And a little bit later, I watch Israel walk over and he pushes a button and boom, down comes a soda. <laughs> and as I'm watching him, I'm like, he is reacting like he won the lottery. I've never seen a 12-year-old be this happy in my entire life. So I walk over to Israel and I say, hey, you know what? I just told you the Lord provides and he provided, didn't he? Israel is like, yes, absolutely. And he goes, and I want you to know the Lord provided for me also. And he said, Israel kind of was like, what are you talking about? Are you going to take my soda? And he said, because the soda you got is sugar-free and caffeine-free. You're not getting hyped up today on this, buddy. All joking aside, sometimes we treat God like he's a vending machine, don't we? But in our text, there's an element of obedience that cannot be ignored, right? Abraham was willing to be obedient to God that he was willing to sacrifice his own son before we get the name Jehovah-Jireh. God isn't a vending machine. You'll notice that in our text in verse 3, It says Abraham rose early in the morning to go on this journey, didn't he? He immediately left. Abraham immediately starts following after God. He doesn't wait a day. He doesn't wait a week. He doesn't wait a year. And even though godly counsel is important, he didn't start talking to his friends and finding out what they think he should do. God said, go and do this. And what I want you to know this morning is that delayed obedience becomes immediate disobedience. Let me say that again. If you're taking notes, write this down. Delayed obedience becomes immediate disobedience. Abraham had gotten to a, to a place where when he heard the voice of God, he just reacted because he trusted God. And there are going to be times in your life that God wants you to be, wait patiently. How many people know that? Many times in your life, most of the times in your life, God's going to say, just wait. Just wait. But then there's moments in your life that God says, I want you to act, and I want you to act right now. And he's going to expect immediate obedience. The other thing that you'll notice in in our scripture is that Abraham completed the journey. And you might be thinking, well, duh, Steve, like, that's what he did. But I think this is more important than you think. It took Abraham three days to get to Mount Moriah, right? It was on the third day that he saw the place. And how many of us fall into this? We get started in doing what God wants us to do. We start walking down the path. We get going. Well, I gave it my best shot. I did it, right? Uh, It just didn't work out, did it? God didn't tell you to stop. He wants you to keep going. Day one came by, day two came by, Abraham still didn't see it. Day three comes by, and all of a sudden, that's where I'm supposed to go. And too many of us start with obedience, and we get halfway through with it, and we stop. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Let me say that again. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. We have to follow after God until he tells us to do something different. If God has called you to do something, you do that thing. 
until he says stop. That's what we do. Abraham had found that out, that if he would just faithfully, throughout his life, trust God, God would bring him to the place that he needed to be. Another way that Abraham is able to get the provision from being obedient is that, that he was obedient when it didn't even make sense. Right? It didn't make sense to sacrifice Isaac. Wait a minute. God, wait a minute. You're, you're telling me that like I've been following you all these years. I've been going after you. I, 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 I left everything I knew to come after you. I've proven myself to be trustworthy of you, Right? And now you want me to go sacrifice that? How many of us could logically say, that makes sense? I've been following you my entire life, and now you want to take that one thing away, for the one thing I've been waiting for my entire life. It doesn't, does it? And Abraham could have made a lot of excuses not to do what God had told him to do. But he didn't. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do things that really don't make sense. In those times, often God's going to reveal himself in a way that he has not revealed himself to you before. Jehovah Jireh. Abraham learned that he's my provider. That even when it didn't feel like there was a way out, even when it didn't feel like there was anything I could do about this, even when I thought all my hopes and dreams were going to be crushed in this moment, God found a way. And he learned that. Even though it didn't make sense. God is your Jehovah Jireh. He's your provision, but he wants obedience. And some of us fall into this trap where we think, man, God, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know why you want me to do that. Follow the voice of the Lord as long as it's biblical, as long as it still falls under biblical guidelines. Follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, even when he's asking you to do something that just doesn't makes sense. You won't see your provision until you are obedient. You're not going to see it. You're not going to see the thing that God has for you until you are obedient to his voice. Let me show you this in the scripture. In, in verse 12, it says this. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have, you have not withheld your son your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering. Notice that Abraham didn't see the ram that was caught in the thickets, and it was probably being very loud, right? Anybody see an animal that was caught in something before? And he doesn't see that ram until the moment that he was willing to be obedient. Did you catch that? Oftentimes your provision is right in front of your face. God has already provided it, but you don't see it until you're obedient. And it's right there ready for you. God is Jehovah Jireh. But you don't see it because you're not obedient. And some of us have something that God has called us to and we, he wants us to be obedient in, but we don't see the provision because we haven't been obedient. God didn't say, bring me your leftovers. He said, bring me your first fruits. And some of us go, well, how can I do that? 
God's got the provision right there. He just wants you to be obedient. He's waiting for you to be obedient. Some of you, God has a, has a provision for you and ready for you, but he's waiting for you to stand up for righteousness in your job, in your school. And the minute you stand up, you're worried, I'm going to lose my job over this. I'm going to lose, I'm going to, I'm going to get kicked out of school over this. But the minute you stand up for righteousness, God says, I got this, don't worry. I can take care of this. And it's right there in front of your face. But you didn't see it until you were obedient. For some of us, God, 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 God's calling you to a ministry here right at the church. And you're like, that doesn't fit me. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that. Well, God's got your provision. He just wants you to take the step of obedience first. It's not like this ram was, has a cloaking device. It's not like it was camouflaged, Right? God had prepared it and had it ready for Abraham. He just didn't allow Abraham to see it until he was obedient to what he was called to do. Will you choose the blessing or will you choose the one who blesses? Right? Because that's what it's all. God wants your heart. God wants to see that you trust him, that you fear him, that you love him, that you're after him. He would rather have your heart above all things. So this brings me back to our main, main scripture in the series, Philippians 2.9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jehovah Jireh has always been about Jesus. Jesus is your Jehovah Jireh. So in this context, and, and I taught on this a few months ago, but in the context of Genesis 22, there's absolutely some clear foreshadowing that happens that points us to Jesus and says, oh, this was pointing us to Jesus even thousands of years before Jesus came, right? So, I mean, for, for example, the place that Isaac is at and is going to be sacrificed is within a couple of hundred yards of where Jesus was crucified. Now, a lot of people make a great argument. They think that it was either the exact location or even closer than that. I'm one of those people that believe that. Like, they were in the exact same place that, that Jesus was crucified. Isaac, I made a joke about it earlier, carried his own wood, right? Jesus carried his own cross. Points to Jesus. The the, the, the ram being caught in the thickets provided a way for Isaac to, be, to, to get away from being sacrificed, right? Jesus' sacrifice points to us a way to get out of our sins. And when we put our faith in him, then we can be saved. Biblical experts agree that, that Isaac was a teenager when this happens, which means he willingly got up on the wood, Right? There was no fight. There was no, the, the Bible doesn't record us him screaming at his dad or anything. He willingly got up on the wood. Jesus willingly was crucified so that you could be forgiven of your sins. The name above all names. And I taught on this, the ram. Abraham says that God will provide himself a lamb. Jesus is the perfect lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He is the lamb that God provided. He is Jehovah Jireh. 
Somehow, and I'm not sure how, I don't know how, but Abraham knew this. He knew this. In John chapter 8, verse 56, Jesus is speaking and he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, You are, you are not yet 50 years old, and have, seen, you, have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, This is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was I, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That is such an important verse. Why did they try to kill him in those moments? Because he was, in their minds, committing blasphemy. He was claiming to be God, the great I am, Jehovah Jireh. And in, in Israel in that day, that immediately gets you stoned. So if anybody ever tries to say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. This is just one of a few, many, or actually many verses, where Jesus absolutely claimed to be the great I am, Jehovah Jireh. That's why they wanted to kill him. That's why. The worship team wants to begin to come up. The question I have for you this morning is, is there something in your life, whether you're holding on to it, maybe, maybe you just won't do it, maybe God has said, this is what I want you to do, this is what I'm calling you to do. Is there something in your life that you need to be obedient to, and God's going to reveal himself to be Jehovah Jireh? Maybe, maybe you're struggling with something. And, and you're like, God, I, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want you to show up in my life. Bless me, Jesus. But God said, I'm just waiting for you to be obedient, to trust me like a child, trust his father. You know, in the summertime, I love being at the lake. For the, for the first time ever, my little Ezekiel, seven years old, he now, we, we're big life vest fans. Some people make fun of us. We're, we love our life vest. For the first time ever, Zeke will allow, allow me to pick him up like this, and I will drop him. And he goes underneath the water and pops back up. And he wouldn't let me do that last year. But he trusts me. He knows that I am not going to allow him to go under the water and stay there. He trusts me. God wants to be your provision. He wants you to trust him like a son or a daughter loves their father and says, I trust you. What is it in your life, if the prayer team wants to come up, what is it in your life that God is saying, be obedient, be obedient, like I can take care of all things. Do you trust me? You don't think I can figure out a way? Come on. As we sing this song, Jehovah, and, and Sherry will close the, the, the service, and you can stay as long as you want, pray as long as you want feel free. And there's wonderful people up here that you can pray for. If there's something in your life and you're like, okay, that, I, now I know. God's been asking me to be obedient. I need to be obedient. I want you to sing this song to God and say, God, I'm you are my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. And I'm, even though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to step into it, Jesus. And these wonderful people are up here to pray with you. If you would like some personal prayer, I encourage you to do that. And just say, will you pray for me that I would have the courage to follow after Jesus 
and allow him, trust him, trust him to be my Jehovah Jireh.